Section thirty three of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume six, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section thirty three. When it was the six hundred and twenty sixth night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Mardas, hearing the tribesmen's praises of Garib, again thanked him for his daring do. But the youth, when he had delivered Madia from Al-Hamal, whom he slew, was smitten by the shaft of her glances, and fell into the nets of her allurements. Wherefore his heart could not forget her, and he became drowned in love and longing, and the sweets of sleep forsook him, and he had no joy of drink or meat. He would spur his horse up to the mountain-tops, where he would spend the day in composing verses, and return at nightfall. And indeed, manifest upon him were the signs of affection and distraction. He discovered his secret to one of his companions, and it became noised abroad in the camp, till it reached the ears of Mardas, who thundered, and lightened, and rose up, and sat down, and sparked, and snorted, and reviled the sun and the moon, saying, this is the reward of him who reareth the sons of adultery. But except I kill Garib, I shall be put to shame." Then he consulted one of the wise men of his tribe, and after telling his secret took counsel with him of killing the youth. Quoth the elder, O Emir, t'was but yesterday that he freed thy daughter from captivity. If there be no help for it, but thou must slay him, let it be by the hand of another than thyself, so none of the folk may misdoubt of thee. Quoth Mardas, Advise me how I may do him die, for I look to none but to thee for his death. O Emer, answered the other, wait till he go forth to hunt and chase. When do thou take an hundred horse and lie in wait for him in some cave, till he pass? Then fall upon him unawares, and cut him in pieces, so shalt thou be quit of his reproach. Said Mardas, This should serve me well, and chose out an hundred and fifty of his furious knights and Amalekites, whom he lessened to his will. Then he watched Garib till one day he went forth to hunt, and rode far away amongst the dells and hills. Whereupon Mardas followed him with his men, ill-omened whites, and lay in wait for him by the way against he should return from the chase, that they might sally forth and slay him. But as they lay in ambush among the trees, behold, there fell upon them five hundred true Amalekites, who slew sixty of them, and made fourscore and ten prisoners, and trussed up Mardus with his arms behind his back. Now the reason of this was that when Garib put Al-Hamal and his men to the sword, the rest fled, and ceased not flying, till they reached their lord's brother, and told him what had happened, whereat his doomsday rose, and he gathered together his Amalekites, and choosing out five hundred cavaliers, each fifty ells high, set out with them in quest of blood-revengement for his brother. By the way he fell in with Mardas and his companions, and there happened between them what happened. After which he bade his men alight and rest, saying, O folk, the idols have given us an easy brood-reek. So guard ye Mardas and his tribesmen, till I carry them away, and do them die with the foulest of deaths. When Mardist saw himself a prisoner, he repented of what he had done, and said, This is the reward of rebelling against the Lord. Then the enemy passed the night, rejoicing in their victory, while Mardus and his men despaired of life and made sure of doom. So far concerning them. But as regards Sahim al-Layl, 
who had been wounded in the fight with al-hamal he went in to his sister medea and she rose to him and kissed his hands saying may thy two hands ne'er wither nor thine enemies have occasion to be blither but for thee and garib we had not escaped captivity among our foes know however o my brother that thy father hath ridden forth with an hundred and fifty horse purposing to slaughter garib and thou wottest it would be sore loss and foul wrong to slay him for that it was he who saved your shame and rescued your good when sahim heard this the light in his sight became night he donned his battle harness and mounting steed rode for the place where garib was a-hunting he presently came up with him and found that he had taken great plenty of game so he accosted him and saluted him and said o my brother why didst thou go forth without telling me replied garib by allah naught hindered me but that i saw thee wounded and thought to give thee rest then said sahim o my brother beware of my sire and told him how mardus was abroad with an hundred and fifty men seeking to slay him quoth garib allah shall cause his treason to cut his own throat then the brothers set out campwards but night overtook them by the way and they rode on in darkness till they drew near the wadi wherein the enemy lay and heard the neighing of steeds in the gloom whereupon said sahim o my brother my father and his men are ambushed in yonder valley let us flee from it but garib dismounted and throwing his bridle to his brother said to him stay in this stead till i come back to thee then he went on till he drew in sight of the folk when he saw that they were not of his tribe and heard them naming mardus and saying we will not slay him save in his own land wherefore he knew that nuncle mardus was their prisoner and said by the life of medea i will not depart hence till i have delivered her father that she may not be troubled then he sought and ceased not seeking till he hit upon mardus and found him bound with cords so he sat down by his side and said to him heaven deliver thee o uncle from these bonds and this shame when mardus saw garib his reason fled and he said to him o my son i am under thy protection so deliver me in right of my fosterage of thee quoth garib if i deliver thee wilt thou give me medea quoth the emir o my son by whatso i hold sacred she is thine to all time so he loosed him saying make for the horses for thy son sahim is there and mardus crept along like a snake till he came to his son who rejoiced in him and congratulated him on his escape meanwhile garib unbound one after another of the prisoners till he had freed the whole ninety and they were all far from the foe then he sent them their weapons and war-horses saying to them mount ye and scatter yourselves round about the enemy and cry out ho sons of Catan!" and when they awake do ye remove from them and encircle them in a thin ring so he waited till the last and third watch of the night when he cried out ho sons of Catan!" and his men answered in like guise crying ho sons of Catan!" as with one voice and the mountains echoed their slogan so that it seemed to the raiders as though the whole tribe of banu Catan were assailing them wherefore they all snatched up their arms and fell upon one another and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the six hundred and twenty-seventh night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the raiders awoke from sleep and heard garib and his men crying out ho sons of Catan!" they imagined that the whole tribe was assailing them wherefore they snatched up their arms and fell one upon other with mighty slaughter garib and his men held aloof 
and they fought one another till daybreak, when Garib and Mardas and their ninety warriors came down upon them and killed some of them, and put the rest to flight. Then the Banu Khatan took the horses of the fugitives and the weapons of the slain, and returned to the tribal camp, whilst Mardas could hardly credit his deliverance from the foe. When they reached the encampment, the stay-at-home folk all came forth to meet them, and rejoiced in their safe return. Then they alighted, and betook them to their tents, and all the youths of the tribe flocked to Gurib's stead, and great and small saluted him, and did him honour. But when Mardas saw this, and the youths encircling his stepson, he waxed more jealous of Garib than before, and said to his kinsfolk, Verily, hatred of Garib groweth on my heart, and what irketh me most is that I see these flocking about him, and to-morrow he will demand Medea of me. Quoth his confidant, O Emir, ask of him somewhat he cannot avail to do. This pleased Mardus who passed a pleasant night, and on the morrow, as he sat on his stuffed carpet with the Arabs about him, Garib entered, followed by his men and surrounded by the youth of the tribe, and kissed the ground before Mardas, who, making a show of joy, rose to do him honour, and seated him beside himself. Then said Garib, O uncle, thou madest me a promise, do thou fulfil it. Replied the emir, O my son, she is thine to all time, but thou lackest wealth. Quoth Garib, O uncle, ask of me what thou wilt, and I will fall upon the emirs of the Arabs in their houses, and on the kings in their towns, and bring thee fee enough to fence the land from east to west. O my son, quoth Mardas, I have sworn by all the idols that I would not give Medea, save to him who should take my blood white of mine enemy, and do away my reproach. O uncle, said Garib, tell me with which of the kings thou hast a feud, that I may go to him and break his throne upon his pate. O oh, my son, replied Mardas, I once had a son, a champion of champions, and he went forth one day to chase and hunt with an hundred horse. They fared on from valley to valley, till they had wandered far away amongst the mountains, and came to the wadi of blossoms and the castle of Ham bin Shays bin Shaddad bin Khalad. Now in this place, O oh, my son, dwelleth a black giant, seventy cubits high, who fights with trees from their roots uptorn. And when my son reached his wadi, the tyrant sallied out upon him and his men, and slew them all, save three braves, who escaped and brought me the news. So I assembled my champions, and fared forth to fight the giant, but could not prevail against him. Wherefore I was balked of my revenge, and swore that I would not give my daughter in marriage, save to him who should avenge me of my son. Said Garib, O uncle, I will go to this Amalekite, and take the reek of thy son on him, with the help of Almighty Allah. And Mardas answered, saying, O Garib, if thou get the victory over him, thou wilt gain of him such booty of wealth and treasures as fires may not devour. Cried Garib, Swear to me, before witnesses thou wilt give me her to wife, so that with heart at ease I may go forth to find my fortune. Accordingly, Mardas swore this to him, and took the elders of the tribe to witness. Whereupon Garib fared forth, rejoicing in the attainment of his hopes, and went in to his mother, to whom he related what had passed. O my son, said she, know that Mardus hateth thee, and doth but send thee to this mountain, to bereave me of thee. Then take me with thee, and let us depart the tents of this tyrant. But he answered, O my mother, I will not depart hence, till I win my wish and foil my foe. Thereupon he slept till morning arose with its sheen and shone, 
and hardly had he mounted his charger when his friends, the young men, came up to him. Two hundred stalwart knights armed cap a pied and cried out to him, saying, Take us with thee, we will help thee and company thee by the way. And he rejoiced in them, and cried, Allah requite you for us with good, adding, Come, my friends, let us go. So they set out, and fared on the first day, and the second day till evening, when they halted at the foot of a towering mount, and baited their horses. As for Garib, he left the rest, and walked on into that mountain, till he came to a cave whence issued a light. He entered, and found at the higher-facing end of the cave a sheikh, three hundred and forty years old, whose eyebrows overhung his eyes, and whose mustachios hid his mouth. Garib at this sight was filled with awe and veneration and the hermit said to him, Methinks thou art of the idolaters, O my son, stone-worshipping in the stead of the all-powerful king, the creator of night and day, and of the sphere rolling on her way. When Garib heard his words, his side-muscles quivered, and he said, O Sheikh, where is this lord of whom thou speakest, that I may worship him and take my fill of his sight? replied the Sheikh, O my son, this is the supreme lord upon whom none may look in this world he seeth and is not seen he is the most high of aspect and is present everywhere in his works he it is who maketh all the maid and ordereth time to vade and fade he is the creator of men and jinn and sendeth the prophets to guide his creatures into the way of right whoso obeyeth him he bringeth into heaven and whoso gainsayeth him he casteth into hell asked Garib, And how, O uncle, saith whoso worshippeth this puissant Lord, who over all hath power? O my son, answered the sheikh, I am of the tribe of Ad, which were transgressors in the land, and believed not in Allah. So he sent unto them a prophet, named Hud, but they called him Liar, and he destroyed them by means of a deadly wind. But I believed together with some of my tribe, and we were saved from destruction. Moreover, I was present with the tribe of Thamud, and saw what befell them with their prophet Salah. After Salah, the Almighty sent a prophet, called Abraham the Friend, to Nimrod son of Canaan, and there befell what befell between them. Then my companions died in the saving faith, and I continued in this cave to serve Allah the Most High, who provideth my daily bread without my taking thought. Quoth Garib, O uncle, what shall I say that I may become of the troop of this mighty Lord? Say, replied the old man, there is no God but the God, and Abraham is the friend of God. So Abraham embraced the faith of submission, with heart and tongue, and the sheikh said to him, May the sweetness of belief and devotion be established in thy heart. Then he taught him somewhat the biblical ordinances and scriptures of al-Islam, and said to him, what is thy name? And he replied, My name is Garib. Asked the old man, Whither art thou bound, O Garib? So he told him all his history, till he came to the mention of the ghoul of the mountain whom he sought. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the six hundred and twenty-eighth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Garib became a Moslem, and told the sheikh his past, from first to last, till he came to the mention of the mountain ghoul whom he sought, the old man asked him, O Garib, art thou mad that thou goest forth against the ghoul of the mountain single-handed? 
And he answered, O oh, my lord, I have with me two hundred horse. O oh, Garib, rejoined the hermit, hast thou ten thousand riders, yet shouldst thou not prevail against him? For his name is the Ghoul, who eateth men we pray, Allah for safety. And he is of the children of Ham. His father's name was Hindi, who peopled Hind, and named it, and he left this son after him, whom he called Sa'adan the Ghoul. Now the same was, O oh, my son, even in his sire's lifetime, a cruel tyrant, and a rebellious devil, and had no other food than flesh of the sons of Adam. His father, when about to die, forbade him from this, but he would not be forbidden, and he redoubled in his forwardness, till Hindi banished him, and drove him forth the land of Hind, after battles and sore travail. Then he came to this country, and fortifying himself herein, established his home in this place, whence he is wont to sally forth, and cut the road of all that come and go, presently returning to the valley he haunteth. Moreover, he hath begotten five sons, warlike warlocks, each of whom will do battle with a thousand braves, and he hath flocked the valley with his booty of treasure and goods besides horses and camels and cattle and sheep. Wherefore I fear for thee from him, so do thou implore Almighty Allah to further thee against him by the talil, the formula of unity, and when thou drivest at the infidels, cry, God is most great, for saying, There is no God but the God, confoundeth those who misbelieve. Then the sheikh gave him a steel mace, an hundred pounds in weight, with ten rings, which clashed like thunder, when as the wielder brandished it, and a sword forged of a thunderbolt, three ells long and three spans broad, wherewith, if one smote a rock, the stroke would cleave it in sunder. Moreover, he gave him a hauberk, and target, and a book, and said to him, Return to thy tribe, and expound unto them al-Islam. So Garib left him, rejoicing in his new faith, and fared till he found his companions, who met him with salams, saying, What made thee tarry thus? Whereupon he related to them that which had befallen him, and expounded to them al-Islam, and they all Islamized. Early next morning, Garib mounted and rode to the hermit to farewell him, after which he set out to return to his camp, when, behold, on his way there met him a horseman, cap -a -pied, armed so that only his eyes appeared, who made at him, saying, Doff what is on thee, O scum of the Arabs, or I will do thee die. Therewith Garib crave at him, and there befell between them a battle such as would make a new-born child turn grey and melt the flinty rock with its sore affray. But presently the Badawi did off his face-veil, and, lo, it was Garib's half-brother Sahim Alel. Now the cause of his coming thither was that when Garib set out in quest of the mountain ghoul, Sahim was absent, and on his return, not seeing his brother, he went in to his mother, whom he found weeping. He asked the reason of her tears, and she told him what had happened of his brother's journey, whereupon, without allowing himself aught of rest, he donned his war-gear, and mounting rode after Garib, till he overtook him, and there befell between them what befell. When, therefore, Sahim discovered his face, Garib knew him, and saluted him, saying, What moved thee to do this? Quoth Sahim, I had a mind to measure myself with thee in the field, and make trial of my lustihood in cut and thrust. Then they rode together, and on the way Garib expounded al-Islam to Sahim, who embraced the faith nor did they cease riding till they were hard upon the valley. Meanwhile 
the mountain ghoul espied the dust of their horses' feet, and said to his sons, O oh, my sons, mount and fetch me yonder loot. So the five took horse, and made for the party. When Garib saw the five Amalekites approaching, he plied shovel-iron upon his steed's flank, and cried out, saying, Who are ye, and what is your race, and what do ye require? Whereupon Falun bin Sa'adan, the eldest of the five, came out, and said, Dismount ye, and bind one another, and we will drive you to our father, that he may roast various of you, and boil various, for it is long since he has tasted the flesh of Adam's son. When Garib heard these words, he drove at Falun, shaking his mace, so that the rings rang like the roaring thunder, and the giant was confounded. Then he smote him a light blow with the mace between the shoulders, and he fell to the ground like a tall-trunked palm-tree. Whereupon Sahim and some of his men fell upon him, and pinioned him. Then, putting a rope about his neck, they hailed him along like a cow. Now when his brothers saw him a prisoner, they charged home upon Garib, who took three of them captive, and the fifth fled back to his sire, who said to him, What is behind thee, and where are the brothers of thee? Quoth he, Verily, a beardless youth, forty cubits high, hath taken them prisoner. Quoth Sa'adan, May the sun pour no blessing on you and going down from his hold, tore up a huge tree, with which he went in quest of Garib and his folk. And he was on foot, for that no horse might carry him, because of the bigness of his body. His son followed him, and the twain went on until they came up with Garib and his company, when the ghoul fell upon them, without word said, and slew five men with his club. Then he made at Sahim and struck him with his tree, but Sahim avoided the blow, and it fell harmless, whereat Sa'adan was wroth and throwing down the weapon, sprang upon Sahim, and caught him in his pounces, as the sparrow-hawk catcheth up the sparrow. Now when Garib saw his brother in the ghoul's clutches, he cried out, saying, Allah ho! Akbar! God is most great! O oh, the favour of Abraham the friend, the Muhammad, the blessed one, whom Allah may keep and assain! And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 33. Recording by Bill Borst.